This is the Time to Refresh podcast with Brad Refresh, the podcast about life, music, traveling, shit, literal shit that is, and weird and wacky stories with Brad and a range of guests from the planet Earth. Feel free to share the pod with your pals, your mom, your neighbor's dog, or even your shrink. It's all fun. You can follow our Facebook group called It's Time to Refresh Community or It's Time to Refresh on Instagram. Write into the pod, ask questions, and share your stories. Enjoy the pod! Hey kid, what time is that? It's time to refresh! You all right, how are we doing? I uh, just want to take two minutes of your time before we start this week's podcast uh, to tell you about our Patreon. Patreon is a tool that we're using to help the podcast grow, um, give you better content and, well, as I said, just let the podcast grow. So we've got three tiers. The first tier, there's only 20 of these spaces available and it's £1 for life and that's for It's Time to Refresh Originals. So if you've tuned in from day one uh, and you want to join the cause, you can sign up for £1. Um, just follow the link in the description. Uh, we've got the standard Patreon, which you get access to bonus episodes, uh, some exclusive content, Patreon specials, which we'll be recording, and uh, early access to all future episodes. So you'll be getting them on a Tuesday instead of a Friday, uh, which I think is fucking amazing for three quid. That's less than a coffee. And then we've got our legend status VIP Patreons, which is uh, £10. And that gets you tickets to all my gigs um, and it will get you free entry to any It's Time to Refresh associated um, events, gigs in the future. Um, So that's a little hint of what's coming up in the future. Um, If you do like the podcast, then please share it with your mates. We are trying to grow this little thing we've got going. We've got some amazing guests coming up in the future as well. um, And we want this to go bigger and better. So sign up at Patreon at patreon.com forward slash it's time to refresh thank you enjoy the episode uh, back once again with another podcast this is episode 32 of the podcast um on this podcast we've got uh, luke krellin uh, from liverpool you've sort of known as you were written of an mc in the bounce scene as well for a bit yeah. longer yeah and then now a bit of promotion and sort of everything on the go at the minute also it's got my fingers and loads of pads at the minute <laughs> like the bounce MC is on the back there and it's been yeah, on the yeah, back yeah, there yeah. for years, mate. Um, a lot of the, the people who watch the podcast will sort of, if they know you, they'll know you from that. Um, and you, you were doing a, an odd, like, sort of dance event and that as well, weren't you? Yeah, so I've got a few, yeah, but I've got a lot of, of dance events that I don't promote myself because I'm putting them on for people. Like, people are bringing me in to consult on things uh, in Scotland, Ireland, Wales. We've got Newcastle, obviously, heavily. Um, so like a lot of the things I don't really promote on my own Facebook because I've got no reach to the people that I'm trying to sell tickets to. It, yeah. It's all, like if I'm in Newcastle, obviously they look after the promotion in Scotland. Then I, I don't do any promotion, <laughs> promoting. I don't promote anything because it's yeah. all in other cities. Um, but yeah, basically more of a consult, <laughs> I'd say it was, but it's, it's working for me. I enjoy the hours. Absolutely. Uh, before we sort of get onto your story, and I just want to ask you, like, how are you doing on that at the minute? Like, I'm doing good, doing good. To say, big change in the last in the last twelve months. I left the job I've been in since I was twenty-one to, you know, pursue music full time. Whether that's promoting 
a consultant for the other promoters or who can artist myself. Um, I just wanted to do full time. Couldn't sit in the factory anymore. <laughs> hey, you're, living, you're living the dream for some people, I suppose. It's just been a nightmare at times. It's been a nightmare at times. Yeah. Uh, so we'll go like right back to the beginning, if that's all right. Um, like growing up in where, where are you from? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Anfield, yeah. Right. And so, what was it like when you were growing up? Like, how did you get into the music industry and stuff? Like, oh, it was our mate Penny, wasn't it? I had, I had absolutely no interest. Uh, I'm lying about, I had incest in music, but no incest in the music I fell into. Um, I was into my guitars and bands when I was younger. My granddad played, my two uncles played, I taught my dad, and he's still shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had no incest. One of our, our friends, Anthony Penny, uh, he always wants to be a DJ. He, he started quite young, he's a very good DJ. Um, and he used to drag me around to the record shops of the Saturday in Liverpool. I think it was Probe and Phase and Three Beat. And that was every Saturday we did the joke shop first. This our age showing. We did the joke shop first and get some stink bombs and that. And then we'd go around the record shops, which was actually the first time I met Rob Kane. Like, we weren't aware of each other at this point, and we still weren't for many years later. But we, we walked into, I think it was Phase Records, and there's this fella. He had the full head of hair back then. I think I must have been about 13, 14. And he had the shiggy hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> and we walked in and I went, oh, that's that Rob Kane there. And I didn't have a clue who he was, because obviously I went into all that music. Mm. And he said, eh, oh yeah, he's such and such one. And DJ out the old five one. And it's all right. And we walked into this shop. And he said, the first thing he said to this Rob, he, he went, can you put a scratch show on for us? And without even saying a word, like, for the next five minutes, Rob Kane was just on the set of decks with a biff hanging out of his mouth, just going fucking nuts. But that was the first time. I still didn't fall in love with the music then, I still weren't interested. So you met, what was he, like, what was the, the, the style of music he was into? Scouts House. Was it Scouts House? Heavily Scouts House. It was, um, at, at the time, where were we going then? Do 5-1, where? Don't you want to be heard that? <laughs> Oh five one all the time the fudge yeah. No the pleasure was a few years later it was hard to get in wasn't it? We used to walk in the old fun when we were quite young. And the sunrise the sunrise after him man yeah it was brilliant. So yes I started around scouts and bounce penny and then what he done? Because I'd be down here all the time playing FIFA or whatever with him and then he'd have a go with his decks. Every now and again he had this little. Do you remember them sets you got from Argos in the home mix? Right. The you had some little awful setup affairs with a mic. And whenever you play, I just picked the mic up and start messing around. And it, it, it turns out to, you know, weren't too bad at it. Yeah. At the time. So you do just like a freestyle thing, were you? Like, yeah, well, I was completely just chatting shit. Yeah. Making things up. But it sounded alright, especially at that age when we were young, just first messing around. It was good. Everyone around here seems to have the same um, sort of upbringing. Like it seems to be like when you've discovered the music, it seems to be um, like the same clubs and names that that, that, that come up. Like it, it Five is. One, yeah, Sunrise, Bedroom Rooms, uh, like uh, G Bar, Garlands, places like that. Like it's, yeah, it's one of my closest mates still plays in the G Bar, and I think he's been there over ten years. Andy Locker, you know, big shout to him. Yeah. And Andy Mach. There's a few there, but uh, it is like some of the clubs in Liverpool, you know, have, have stood the test of time. G Bar being one of them, G Bar's been around forever and it's still popular now as, as it ever was. Um, but obviously, growing up, we had it was the 051, 
and the fudge they were because Scout House was king in Liverpool years yeah. ago. It used to be getting played in every club in town, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then start again the next week. Uh, now you wouldn't hear any of it in town. Yeah. So what year? What year is it? You sort of went and started going out. Oh, like out on on the aisle. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was fifteen. I, I'd like it was just. I remember we just left school, going to college. I, I had a bright pink shirt on. Going to the old five one for the first time. We went and saw mate to Mackey's and a taxi home and started change. And it still baffles me <laughs> that you can go out with fifty quid back then. We went out last night, like uh, me and my missus, and it was like we went to that that Teddy's, and then we went. She wanted to go to that Coyote Ugly thing, cause yeah, just to see what it was like and that. And we'd we'd spent fifty quid within sort of three drinks. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, it is ridiculous. But yeah, I know what you mean. <coughs> like, the, the times. So what sort of year was this that you were you were going out then? Like, oh God, um, let's say. It's <laughs> 2007, my first gig anyway, so it's easily got to be 2004, 5. Right. I'd say I started going out, yeah. Right. My first night out, actually, like, I didn't tell my mum and dad that I was going on it. One of my friends, remember Connor Gary? Connor, like, he said, do you want to go to town? And like, his dad was sad. His dad, my, my dad's sad, like, but his dad was like, go on, go and do what you want. Yeah. And it was probably not sad looking back at it now. <laughs> So we, we went to town. I said, I've got no got no club on, I'll go to town. So I went and lent some of his half fellas jeans. <laughs> this white and blue fucking button-up shirt and a pair of Reebok workouts. I look like a clown. So we spent all night trying to get in everywhere, Conscious Square, like the queues were massive. But, and every time we got to the front, the door, I'm going to just laugh at us and say, <laughs> fuck off. Uh, the first place we got into that night, it was after three o'clock and it was the X in the City. Which is a, a strip bar. Right. So we were made up going in, but back then, you, you could, after three o'clock, you stopped having alcohol. Oh, so so, you, so we went on our first night out, never had a bevy, and then we, we were drinking Ribena and Red Bull after three o'clock till six in the morning. <laughs> oh, no, that's grim, man. <laughs> it was grim. <laughs> it was terribly grim. Yeah. So, so like, that's your first experience of going out on that. Like, at this point, are you not into, like, the music or out now? No, not still really. not. I, I'll tell you exactly when that happens. Um, I think, as far as I can remember, this is the first time I went into town where I told my mum and dad I'm going to my mate's party and then I'm going to town after, so I was only young and he went, alright, so I went to this party on the outside of town and we ended up walking all the way to the fudge and we were in the queue, I thought, am oh, I going to get in, am I going to get in and we did, we got in, <laughs> I, I was dressed up in fudge, I had as the George's rig out on, <laughs> top to bottom I was skins at that age, mate um, so we went into this club and that was the first time I'd seen MCs right. live up and it was Polkas, right, that man, he just made me fall in love with it as soon as I seen him. Yeah. Polkas, Mick D and he's going to kill me, forgetting his name, Pete. Oh, I'll come back to me, I'm sorry Pete that you're watching this, <laughs> right, <laughs> but then too, like they made me fall in love with it, this set of people. Um, like it was unbelievable. I, I thought myself I'd love to be able to. Do you know when it was? This Polkas, he sounded so good on a mic. He was dead tall. He was tanned as fuck. Is this Polkas the one from? Is it Killer Combo? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And he had all these beards and I'm just watching him and I thought, little bastard. <laughs> I thought he's, he's onto a stick there. And uh, he, I think him and CK were the first MCs I spoke to. And talking to me on that night itself. 
and it was, you know, it was one of them thoughts. The nice people they're doing stuff that I'd like to do, so that's when I started taking an incest in it properly. Right. So it was like, was it what I'm sort of picturing, like the music? Because obviously, when I've heard their stuff, it seems to be like the they used to MTR like the tougher stuff. Was it, was it, was it, it killer combo? It was, but that, I'd say that was their style for their CDs. Um, the fudge that they used to do every week, I'd say, was quite a different style. It was very much the classics. Oh, that's good. Idea. It was. It was all stars and bees, your shine, all stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but mate, it was rams every week. You couldn't move. It had dead low ceilings. And I'm talking. You can touch the ceiling. Uh, the best throw blades <laughs> I can remember seeing ever. But like all that put together was enough for me to go like, this is what I want. I want to have a crack of this. Yeah. So then, how did you come about doing it? Like, because. By the sounds of it, you don't really know anyone within the scene just yet, so... No, um, it was mad. I'd met a lad called Alex Jones, he used to play in the Pleasure Dooms. It weren't music related, I can't really remember. Um, but what had happened, I moved out when I was, like, 17. I uh, got my first flat, and I was young, like, and to celebrate going out. Me and Sharpie's just been there. We went out on a Tuesday night or something and we went to a place called the Superstar Boudoir. And it was, I think the DJ after, I I always sign credit the first fella for getting me involved and I can't, I think it was Barry Walker or Barry M or something. But he was playing karaoke songs, it was only a Tuesday night in a club. So anyway, I'm bladdered and I've sang Robbie Williams' Angels, (laughs) bladdered on this little stage night, but it was funny. And that was the last song of the karaoke. Yeah. And straight after that, he just switched and put Scouse House on. But I'm still on the stage and I've got older than Mike after singing Nobby Williams. So I've just started being bladdered and full of confidence at that age. Just started chatting all mad shit and it, it started going a bit mad. And then I met some fella, I, I won't names of him, um, but he ran all around the fudge at the time, down the place of being. Yeah. And he said, oh yeah, you should come round the club, come round the club. And I never thought nothing of it, left it and got a phone call. And it was a guy called, I think it was Alex Jones, but he was with Paul Melia, who's basically, he, he took me from not ever having a gig and he put me straight away gigging every week. No, that's good. That's you know, so big, big, big shout for Paul Melia, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Sunset Blinds he runs as well, if you need any blinds in Liverpool. <laughs> but he... Yeah, me, he had me. He didn't fucking pay me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but no one was getting paid back then. We we, we were just trying to make something happen. And he launched a band called Brands called Bubbling. Yeah. And it started Thursday nights in the fudge, John, where the place that I fell in love with it. Yeah. And it just kept growing and growing. And then, you know, other opportunities came along and it, it just, you know, went from there. Well, am I right in thinking that you were behind Bubbling Night? Or? No, it was originally Paul Melia. Right. But I was there from the very first one to the last, uh, and Paul's business um, it just absolutely boomed down the sunset business. Yeah. So I ended up taking over then. Right. He, he, he was one of them. Where do you do it now? You can you can run the brand, but he, he just had too much on, and you, you can tell now. You want to see the way he lives now? <laughs> He's got like a fucking twenty-eight million bedroom house somewhere in Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad, is he? It's all right for some. Um, so yeah, so that, that's your sort of like foot in and stuff like that. I think that's where I first heard of you on the bubbling sort of stuff. So yeah. did you do, you did a CD, uh, it was the studio CD. Oh, the, we've done a few, yeah. Um, the one with Rob Kane, Finchy, Finchy yeah, me, Finchy, Bubbler and Rob Kane it was, yeah, that was a good day that. <laughs> it was a good day, that was in some little garage in Birkenhead called Ron the Dog Promotions I believe. Yeah. 
That's what? a first. Uh, I remember the, the CD sounding a bit different to how, how they usually sound because it was like proper recorded. So yeah. the vocals sounded a bit different. I'm not sure what I can do. He had a very small delay on the mic right. and a Vulcan, so when you go bubbling volume four, go volume four, volume four, volume four. <laughs> but then when you, you started, you know, started getting into your lyric or whatever, you, you could sort of hear it coming back in your headphones. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I weren't a fan of that myself, to be honest with you, but it, it wasn't a bad CD. It was a good day. That was the, I think that was the first time I worked with Finch as well, that CD. Yeah. You know, you still look amazing on today, Finch. I was playing Cobbin the other day, shit. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Uh, he's been on the podcast before uh, and he's told a few of his stories like he, he told uh, the, him coming over to Liverpool and doing um, was, it, was it Pleasure Rooms he, uh, yeah he used to do the Pleasure Rooms yeah. he gave me a lift home a few times from the Pleasure Rooms when I've been rotten he used to have this little fucking washed out red corset that was turning pink he used to call it the bullet <laughs> <laughs> the bullet <laughs> class um, so, so where are you going from here then? Like you started doing this, you get you getting regular work. When when was it? You like moved out the fudge? What was uh... <sighs> quite quick to be honest with you. I got a message of of the guy who owns uh, owns all that. I, I don't know who's pushing the pleasure rooms. Um, a few months later, and at that time, the pleasure rooms mate was the, was the biggest thing in Liverpool. It was all over our radio stations. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I was I was still in college at the time. Do you know what I mean? I, I still wear like legally old enough to go out I don't think I can't well, remember like, I remember people cause I'm, I'm a bit younger than you like but um, I remember people um, say there was like fuck it that they used to have a pub in our like village and that everyone would meet up and then they'd get a bus and um, to like for a, a weird day sort of thing yeah so they, um, the place the, the places that people would go to would be obviously from where I'm from Cumbria uh, they'd go to like Wigan Pier that would be like the most regular one but then the Go Pleasure Rooms as well, uh, that was another one. And um, Tall Trees in Yarm. Yeah, um, I've never done that. Uh, well, they were, they were the free sort of away days. So, I mean, Tall Trees was huge. Pier was here. Yeah, yeah. So, like, as I say, people were treating the away days, pleasure rooms as sort of thing. You can sort of see this, how busy it was. Because you used to get, like, 32 seaters and just go down and down Wait, be it, like. The Pleasure Rooms, at its peak... Like when I first started going to pleasure rooms, like I, I went established at all, or even known as like a host or an MC. Mm. Uh, so, so they were back in the days of standing in queues to get in places, and, and that pleasure rooms queue, mate, it was horrible, but it was one of the most magical places ever at the same time. And yeah. some of the faces you see getting pulled in that, in that queue. <laughs> but it was, it was that good. You used to queue for an hour to get in, right? And then there'd be two sets of stairs, and like there'd be three levels to the club, but the top floor was the best one, and you'd be waiting another hour to get up to that top floor. Yeah, it was yeah. absolutely shocker. It wasn't like a stereotypical nightclub, though, was it? The way it's laid out, it was. No, it was it just was... three floors with uh, at the end of the staircase going between each one, but you could you could see all the way down from the top. Yeah. So you could see each level, like like the way Pierre had levels. It was like that, but with three of them. And it was a lot slimmer as well, is that, is that right? It was slim and very long. Yeah. Like, like imagine, do you know the way print works are set out? Yeah. The way it's slim. Imagine now on a much smaller scale, obviously, but yeah. it was just long and narrow. But yeah. it, it, was a, it was a good experience as well. It was unbelievable in there. Mm, nice one, nice one. So you, you were playing in there. Are, are, you, are you picking up a wage at this point? Or? Yeah. Um, I think that was the first time I started getting paid, the fella, phoned me and said, do you want to come and do some posting for the pleasure rooms, right? And 
thought, well, not really, do you know what I mean? I don't know where you want to go and do posters up. And I said, well, am I getting paid for it? And he went, I'll just pay you for the night. And I went, I, I didn't even fathom in my head that he was offering me a booking in the pleasure rooms. That never came into my head at the yeah. time. I was like, I, I was nowhere near ready for that. And he said, I'll pay you for the night. And I went, what do you mean? And he went, eh, I'll book you for the, the next one, the main events. And I went, oh, the fucking hell. So I went, of course, yeah, I'll come and help post it. So a few days later, I was, I was out with MCB. And we made Josh Smith just fucking slapping posters up all around Liverpool. And then I started in the pleasure rooms then, yeah. Not bad, no. I was, I, do you know what, admittedly, I, I started in that pleasure rooms before I was ready to because posters had been there just before me. Yeah. And I'm sure he won't mind me saying because the system in, in the pleasure rooms was nuts. Like, I struggled to, to get the same vibe from Polkus when he was in the pleasure rooms rather than when he was in the fudge. Um, you'd had the mic set in the pleasure rooms, I'd say, for people with unbelievably strong vocals like MCB's a powerhouse, uh, MC Bubble, Stewie Thompson, his voice yeah. is really, really strong. And then Polkus goes there and I, I feel like the mic set, because they're all sharing the mic, was set more for the more bassy vocal yeah. vocalist rather than an in where he honest you always untouchable vocals unbelievable but then when i went to the pleasure names and what i found is that i wasn't even fully developed as a as a human then do you know what i mean i was still yeah. growing my, my chest and my lungs and everything so my voice was nowhere near as strong as what obviously what it is now and yeah, that is too you do build your voice over years it's mad and so MCB comes out, there's a video of it on YouTube somewhere, and he's just, and he's so loud and powerful on that mic, and then when he passes to me, it just, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, the thing is, though, with, with Ben, he's got, like, he's, he's, his natural voice, he's, like, you can feel it, when he talks, it comes from his chest, yeah. so it's, like, it, anyone's going to sound sort of less against it, do you know what I mean? Well, he, yeah. taught, he taught me that himself, he taught me where, don't you use your diaphragm and stuff, mm. and where, where to project your voice from, and... A lot of the times I'm I'm mistaken for some for some, some other character at the minute because my voice does not sound like what you see on stage at all. Yeah. Apparently, what I'm told anyway, I, I sound, I've got a really deep voice. Uh, I'd say my 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 accent through doing all that has like sort of been warped over the years with being that many different places. Um, obviously, I'm not going to go there and be a scout MC. I've got to be quite universal with being all over the country. Yeah. I've got to make sure everyone can understand me and knows what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the scout uh, accent got legged quite <laughs> soon. As soon as I realised I can't use it. <laughs> sort of, like, moving forward from there, you haven't sort of left Liverpool at all yet, really, with, like, gigs or anything like that? Um, at at this point? Um, no. Not at all. Um, the, the furthest I got away, we moved from the fudge to, oh, it is, what was it called? Club Zoo over the water in Birkenhead. That's right. where Bubbling got moved to. Um, and even, this this is what I respect Paul Melia for, yeah. The night was not doing well. And he was bringing people in, paying them all right money. Yeah. He was bringing, he had club filler in, but he was going out to Stevie B back then. Yeah. Uh, we've had Chris Henry on, we had all sorts on, he was paying good money. We had, oh, no, I can't say that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you love me, didn't you? <laughs> right, um... so yeah, he was pouring all this money into, into these events and he, he, he weren't getting a really good return back on them at all, but he kept doing it. Yeah. And I'm talking for years, he kept doing it. And I'd say Paul Media had quite a decent hand in, you know, keeping the scouts alive a little bit in that aspect. Because people don't see the fact that 
like these people are turning up and performing and all that. But in order for that to happen, someone's pumping money into that constantly, and he Absolutely. weren't making anything back. Now, to me, that's like a behind the scenes hero. Yeah. You know what I mean? People like people like that don't really get the, they're not in it for the recognition, they're there for money. Yeah. But the fact is he didn't he didn't make any money from it. But he just mm. kept putting it in and I think that gave a lot of artists like you're talking, he'd have me boots every week, uh, Viper, uh, Roach, yeah, Coverloads, Club Filler, uh, Chris Henry, Ed Hunters, uh, Jorg Schmidt. He had so many people that were fully established at all, and he would find the feet and he gave us somewhere every week to go and get creative. That's good. That's you know, it was, good. it was really good. You'd have the lads, like, Viper and Roach and all that, Covid had come down the Thursday, probably go home Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> it was good, though. We used to have a ball. Wouldn't Class. go back, though. They were trenches them days, though, yeah. They were the, the after parties with trenches. I'd never go back to any of them. <laughs> you look scared when you talk about it. Oh, mate, oh, if we get into it after we might do it, it was just some horrendous nights in them after parties. <laughs> like I'm talking to a point about uh, uh, the lad fucking. I, th- I think he, he got a bottle of tapes in front of me and Viper and started drinking, and we just went, nah. Uh, I, something I've never done, I've never took. Uh, I'll say I've talked about it on the podcast before. I've uh, I spoke weed and that, like, um, sort of. Amsterdam and stuff like that yeah. and never really been interested in drugs there like I know um, oh, by far the best way to be by far the best way to I've, be well to be honest with you I just I've never said this on the podcast before but the other reason I, I don't I haven't is because I've had a lot of people around me who's sort of ruined their lives by it and yeah. it's just like I've got a really bad addictive personality so it's yeah. like if I don't I think I'd be all in like do you know what I, I mean mate, like, I fully was I, I 100% was it was like you know, if anyone's listening, I'd fully advise to keep so clear of that drug, that Charlie. Yeah. the thing is, people associate cocaine with having money. I, I think a lad showing a girl in a party, I've got four or five bags of Charlie on me. That that's like showing an accessory to them. Look, I've got money. Yeah. It's glamorized in a way, but it's successful. That drug will snap the life out of you. The thing is, though, the seventies, early eighties. Uh, it was only like rock stars, haven't it? So it was known as a glamour drug. Do you know it what was. I mean? You and still then... see it now in films and all that. Anyone with money, they've got fucking Charlie everywhere. Yeah. But it, it, it's that perception. Me, myself, with working obviously in the rave scene for that long, it, it sort of came hand in hand. Um, and I did never see it as a problem because I've always earned all okay money, and I've never, you know, struggled with bills or paying. So mm. I thought in my head it must be okay, mm. but it's not. It, it's it's when you start coming back from your gigs and stuff and you've still got a bit left and you go, oh, I'll just have another lager or I'll keep that. And before you know it, you, you fucking, you just sat there on your own, so off your cake. Mm. And, mate, to be honest with you, it went until a few years ago, I just thought, I've had enough of this. Like, I can't be arsed with it. Decided to take a break. I thought, it only happens, obviously, because I don't drink in the house. Yeah. Well, I never did. I don't drink at all now. Um, but I never drank in the house really and I just thought I'm just going to carry on not drinking see how long I can go and I think I've done a month and like every aspect of my life have got better <laughs> like <laughs> financially relationships I had with people uh, being organised for work and stuff being creative within a month that had all got ten times better than the previous month when I was spending every weekend you know absolutely fucked on a Saturday and then riddled with fucking when people say the, the Scottish called the fear so when you sat there the yeah. next day, I just sat in bed, didn't want to know anyone, didn't want to go anywhere, 
just me and my phone and it was safe then. <laughs> but uh, that, that's definitely all through the drinking drugs. Like, I get up every day now and I'm happy to go about my day. Yeah. Not hiding from any, nor any situation, which is... Uh, even back then, I weren't hiding from situations, but your head makes you think that you are. Like, you can't be social today. Yeah. Um, like, an anxiety almost. So. Yeah, it was horrible. Man. Yeah, I think it's an aspect of, of guilt as well, because you know what you're doing the night before. Like, at, at that point, it was like, it being a while, like, you, you've got to sort of stop this now, Luke. <laughs> um, but then it comes to the weekends and someone had said you want to come for a pint and that was it it was out yeah uh, sorry about that we had a bit of a technical difficulty I'm not sure what happened there um, first time it happened yeah it seems to record now right but yeah um, we were talking sort of about the trenches <laughs> but yeah um, I think that when it comes to like I've got a, a mate who's got um, I say mate but I've got an acquaintance who's who's got a problem with more than me and it's like I, well, I'm I'm not a I'm not an addict or out like that. I'm not addicted to it. Yeah, I, I only take it on weekends, but it's every weekend. And then yeah, he'll say oh, I'm just going out for like a pint or whatever on a Friday. Like in his head, I'm not getting on it. I'm not getting on it. I'm not getting on it. Yeah. And then Friday arrives for after his first pint. That's it. There's no willpower or anything to stop him from doing it. It's it, <laughs> you know what he's probably like. I know for myself when that was me, it was. He's obviously got a bit of pain there himself, John, that he's trying to escape from, mm. from the weekend. And whatever it is, I advise he just, like, starts to deal with it in a, in a more healthy way rather than destroying himself every weekend, because that's all it's done to me. Yeah. Like, and every weekend, a little a little piece of you comes away again. Don't be to your soul, your mind, okay, everything. Yeah. And you end up... Like, the person I was five years ago, I look back and I'm like... Do you know what I mean? What was I playing at? I know what you mean. It's like, um, it's one of them things where it's like you, you, you only realise afterwards. You don't realise how deep you were into it, sort of thing. No, yeah. I, I was, I was doing. Regrets. Uh, the girl I was with was with her for six, seven years. Um, I prioritised partying over there, and what we had massively. Like we lived together for years and all that, but. Like, I, I always play other sides, like, trying to make this a career, which came in under me taking drugs, which, again, at the same time, you know, resulted in me not being able to put as much into our relationship as what I could have if I went out partying every weekend. And, you know, they're consequences of, of what happens. It is, yeah. Um, it is. You've just got to get a grip of yourself, because nothing, nothing's good going to come from partying oh, every weekend. Absolutely not. Um... So we went off on a sort of tangent there, like when we were talking about the, 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 the trenches, but it's just one of them things, it's it's to do with the industry as well, it plays a big part in the industry, like, uh, just once um, I turned up to a, a gig, played, and uh, I think I, only, I was only charging like fuel or whatever it was at the time, and the, <coughs> the, he, he came and gave me a bag, uh, oh, just take that as a pair, they don't take it mate, he says, yeah. well you are, yeah, you, you no, I don't have any shit, like cash on me or anything like that. I was like, well, I don't take it, and I don't want it to whatever, and all, or like that. And then I, I got like, he, he was looking at me as if I was the asshole for like, yeah, yeah. Do you know <laughs> what I'm coming from? Like, I was like, he was like, oh well, what am I gonna do now? I'm gonna have to go and find money. I'm like, well, yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> do you know well, what I mean? That that stuff needs to stop. It, it does need to stop. That was going on when I started that. Uh, again, I won't say you, but <laughs> when we started, like. There was about five MCs weekly getting paid in Charlie and steroids. 
because I, I don't know why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what the weekly payment was, cocaine yeah. and steroids. So, um, you know, that stuff doesn't need to, to, to stop. It needs to be stop being pushed on younger DJs as well, especially when they're turning up for gigs to work. Well, to be fair though, that that has not that was that was about ten years, nine, ten years ago. That so since everything's been sound. <laughs> you know, I, no, it does happen a yeah. bit. I've seen it, it's not even offered them Charlie in form of payment. It, it's for me. It's if 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 you see a young DJ coming into the scene, you know, trying to break in and that. Yeah. Like the, there's a lad. He's a very good mate of mine. Now I met him from Newcastle. He's from Sunderland, but he, he works a lot in Newcastle and. You know, he was on a bit of a slippery slope. Yeah. So I've got a grip of him being like, I'm on his case every day. And he's been doing nearly well. Is someone I can party with. Uh, do you want a strike? Do you want this? He should be trying to, you know, guard them away from it. Because yeah. as someone who sat on the other, end, uh, the other end of it and can see the damage that that drug can do. Like, if I can go back to, t- like, let's say 21, I would never look at that drug in my life. Ever yeah. the things that, that it's taken from me. And it's taken from people right now as we speak, people are out partying right now from last night, and then they're going to have the consequences of that to deal with tomorrow, yeah. which will make them at feel least, terrible. At least tomorrow, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they're going to feel terrible. But this Charlie's making them do mental acrobatics right now. Like, well, I know I've got to pay this bill, but I've got this money coming out. And they're moving things around in the head. To justify it. To justify yeah. it and make it seem like it's okay what they're doing. And then when they all come down, all that reality comes back together at mm. the same time, and they're just... The, the head's gone uh, so yeah I'd advise everyone to keep away from that shite mate <laughs> yeah so uh, we'll sort of move forward then so you you've, you've, we're doing the regular week work at uh, in Birkenhead and then you were doing the fudge you and pleasure rooms yeah so what what sort of was next on the on the uh, like uh, you hadn't promoted any events or anything really at this point no um, I'd say the first one the first time I started promoting events it was still bubbling Mm-hmm. at the time and it was me and Craig Parks uh, Bubbler decided we're, we're going to take the brand on and have a little go <laughs> so we, we decided to use a club called Destiny and Elite in Ellesmere Port right. which we're, we're just being booked there to do a, a few weeks prior I think I think it was Bounce Back Ability with Donovan Schley yeah. um, and the venue was brilliant we loved it so we booked back in to go there and decided to put bubble in there for like the line it was brilliant though. We had a uh, for my first booking did they have on I had Rob Kane, I had Bon Lee, he, at the time I, I was a big Bon Lee fan. Um, I had F Easy, I had Audio Force, they're not about anymore. Uh, I had DOT on and made all the wages we were paying back that night. I paid I think I paid Bon Lee to come from Burnley, I think I paid him no more than sixty, but I think it was forty quid. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And the wages back then, like, but saying that we were, we were charging four pounds on the door. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. now I'm selling tickets for this year. I think my highest price ticket was was forty quid, and that was Mother's Day, and they were selling that. Do you know what I mean? Mental, isn't it? The ticket price. It's nuts, man. Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing. Like, uh, so back for part two of the podcast. Um, we've had a couple of technical issues, but we're sorted now. Um, so I just wanted to get into your sort of promotion side of things because obviously we talked about the the MC persona. I want to get into the sort of the promotion. So um, when you started doing, uh, you were talking about doing um, Destiny Elite with um, Bubbler. With Bubbler, yeah. yeah. Um, 
the night itself, like that was the first time I experienced just, you know, the sort of stresses that can come with being promoted. We had a coach company boot to bring about hundred 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 and fifty people from Liverpool to Ellesmere Port. That was included in the ticket, so yeah. it was our responsibility to get it done. And they cancelled, I think, an hour and a half before we had all these people waiting in town to oh. come over. Uh, and I can't remember how we sorted. I know what we sorted, but I can't remember who sorted it. But we ended up fucking with these big double decker buses coming. I don't know where we got them from. Uh, so that was a stress of that. So when the event actually went ahead, it, it was really good. You know, and it was one of them things. Um, again, it, it was during a, a stage of me partying that as well. So I didn't really appreciate what it was for what it was. It, it went until later in life where I actually enjoy being able to say, well, I've created this party, look at all these people enjoying themselves. So at the same time, it's making money. Yeah. But there, there was something in knowing that you've created a moment in music where everyone's having a good time and it was, it was addictive. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I was but, going to mention that to you. Do you know when you've had the first days to promoting, because I've done like a bit up in my, my area and stuff yeah. like that, I've talked on the podcast with various guests before who, who've run events. Um, well, you could just listen back to the podcast and you'll, yeah. you'll know who some of them are. But like, it's every single one of them have said the same thing. Once, once, like everyone has a bad party where there's no one there, everything oh, goes loads, wrong. Mate, yeah. But then when you get that taste of a good party, it's like addictive. Like, like it is very it, addictive. It's a... Um... It's a good high, isn't it? It's, like, a, it's a very good high. It's a very good high. It's um, it, it was that was the first time I got the taste for it. I didn't throw myself head first into promoting back then because, as I just it cost a lot of money to do. Yeah. I think at that time, I was on like seven pounds an hour, and I was working all the hours I could in a place I hated. Mm -hmm. So it, it was hard to get the money to settle. I had a little girl as well that I just I had when I was eighteen. Didn't even know she was coming. Mm -hmm. Got, got told you that dad now, so you know, I had, I had responsibilities like to pay for her as well as mm. with, with having a terrible wage. Uh, at that time, I weren't getting paid for the majority of me MC gigs, mm. it was just time to get out there. Um, but yeah, I completely forgot what I said. <laughs> <laughs> no, just the, the addiction of um, sort of oh, yeah, it, it was. Um, it was addictive. It was just one of them. It was just having the money to do it all the time. Uh, so I basically just went into my bookings again and for a while until I got myself in to a better position where he had money to play around with. Yeah. Uh, so that took quite a while. And if I, I wouldn't even say I started promoting properly. I was doing little bits. I didn't even call myself a promoter. While I was still working in Jaguar, mm. I was putting the odd events on every now and again, doing yeah. all right from it. But I, I never see myself as a promoter at all. Uh, it was it was Chris Henley who who pushed me into doing it. Um, when I say pushed it, I mean I like encouraged because I was. This is like another part of what I'm getting on. This all come from the flip and fill stuff. This right. uh, when I was working with them, I met so many people done over the years, like yeah. touring the UK, and uh, eventually I had, you know, connections in most cities, which you know, allow the clubland style type of music to play that we dead into it. Yeah. And for about a year, I was just doing it and going, yeah, I'll make this happen for you. And I weren't charging any money or doing anything for it. And Chris Henry just said in the end, 
you want to start charging people? And I went, what do you mean? He went, you're basically just doing what an agent does. You're giving all these people work. Mm. These DJs are all making money going to this job. These promoters are all making money from the DJs you're sending them. And I thought, you know, all right there. So what I started doing, like the certain DJs, people come to me now and I'll give them a price. You know, you can have, here's what you've got, here's who I know. And they'll say, oh, so you'll have X, 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 right? And I'll mm. go, here's what it's going to cost you. But I'll throw a little bit on top, you know what I mean? It, it takes all the stress away from them. They haven't got to deal with agents, contacts, nothing else. They just invoice me. Uh, sorry, I invoice them. Uh, and ba- basically, the event sort of started to finish without the editor. And I take a little bit on top. But since I started doing that, it, it just grew and grew and more and more people just kept coming to me with the success of the events that I've been putting on for people. Yeah. Um, and obviously that led to being offered the job with Loosefest. Uh, maybe, uh, that, uh, are we going to talk about that after? Yeah, because that is going to be unbelievable. Well, I just want to go sort of go back here. You mentioned something just then. Um, I seen online that you started doing, you started being the host for Flip and Phil. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. How did that come about? Um, mate, to be honest with you, at that time, right, the only sort of real work going was, you know, for Don MCs, you were literally really good. Like, you look at the Sopranos, lads, you look at the likes of Easy, Covey, he's left them now, but they're all really good, literally, and yeah. they can spit at 100 miles an hour. Now, the problem I had is I've always been into English and writing and stuff. I can write brilliantly, right? I'm all right with saying that, but my brain and my tongue can't deliver what I write. Yeah. Right? So it it was one of them, like, top and tail of it, I weren't, I'd say, literally talented talented enough to to make it on the, what you call the donk scene. Mm. To be honest, it's not against the donk scene, but it's the best thing that ever happened to me, not being good enough to make it on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's not an against them. I, I just ended up with other opportunities which suited me better through not being able to do it. Uh, I think it was Rob Kane. Uh, the, the first time I realised that he, he put his first event on with John Neal called Make Some Noise in the old 5-1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he booked our friends, Craig, John, to host it. Yeah. And I think this is the first time I'd taken notice on a poster. I was talking to, to Rob and MCB and the thing what they wanted... They wanted their night to be all about the music, right? With just a bit of hyping up, so to make it better, which... That's a perfect night for me, by the way. Well, there you... Now, see this, this... That's a perfect recipe, right? For a dancehall classic set, don't you? are going to have an MC on. And I very quickly realised that DJs at a, a decent level are there for themselves to make their name bigger, which, of course, so if they want someone there to accompany them, they're there to highlight what they're doing and make them sound better. And, you know, they're the showcase, they're the star of the show. I think a lot of MCs struggle with the fact that they've got it all. This is with exceptions of Sopranos, right? Mm Because people do go to Sopranos for the MCs, they do. If you go to normal events, people don't go, I'm going there because MC Silky's on or whatever. They Mm -hmm. go... Fucking hell, flipping Phil's on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, the way I've always said it is that they're the fish and chips, like the MC is just the salt and vinegar. Yeah. Just there to make it a little bit better. It's not about us at all. People aren't coming for us. Yeah. Uh, and I think as soon as you realise that and and DJs, because people say it online all the time, oh, it's on about chat and shit, but then they'll go to a gig and they'll go, constantly. I've seen it happen a million times, but if someone really learns how to host, 
knows when to shut up, when to hide things up, uh, and, and forms a relationship with the well, the way I did with my flip and Phil, we worked together for that long. We sort of had cue points. He knew what I was going to do at every point. Mm. I knew what he was going to do. To be honest, it was like the same chef for seven years, so it was quite the earth. Mm. Uh, but like to move on to them bigger stages, you know, I've got to realise that you, you are just part of the fucking show. You're, you're not the show. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think like DJs on a better level appreciate that. And do you think, well, he can bring something to this show without taking anything away from me or, you, you, you know, the attention towards him. And I think if people realise that, they'll do a lot better. Well, I've noticed with, with MCs, it seems to be only really the Lancashire scene that sort of do that. So, like, like as you say, your Sopranos, your places like that, where yeah. it's M very MC-orientated. But if you go up to Scotland or over to Newcastle or even in Liverpool, MCs are secondary. And nothing against them, by the way. But That's it, the way it should it's be. It's the music. That's yeah, the way it yeah, should yeah. be, man. Uh, we should be Shetland's week, but, people. Put it one way, if the MC didn't turn up, the nice to go ahead. Yeah. Right, if the DJ never turns up, it wouldn't. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I'm not, and it sounds like I'm having a bit of a pop at them, but mm. it's no means, like, saying that. But what I'm saying is, it's like, a good MC compliments the music. Of course, That's, man, they've got to realise that they're only yeah. there to make it better, they're not there to steal the show at all. Anyone, yeah. like, I've seen people try and steal the show, and it's awkward at times. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If someone's being brought in to do a host job and they're sitting there acting like a train mile, it's a bit awkward. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not asked when anyone says, right, I don't listen to studio CDs a lot, but the majority of these MCs, when I go into a club and I've heard it, right, I don't know what they're saying. Yeah. It's just, it's noise that in, in time and that sounds all right. Yeah. No one knows what they're saying. Just chant, they could be chatting absolute shit for all I know. Eh... Uh, it might be a bit biased. I don't listen to many MCs. I couldn't tell you anyone's arms, to be honest with you. Yeah. Anyone, maybe a few Vs. MCBs, I know the most of. Yeah. But apart from that, I don't know what shit people are chatting on these mics when they go to clubs. Um, I think it'd be a lot better. Again, exception to Sopranos, that's what they're there for. Mm. But, you know, let, let's keep the lyrics down to a minimum. Making a value. I, I, yeah, the, the, there's times and place for doing it and doing stuff like that. Because I've seen, like, as I said, like some of the some of the biggest names on the scene sort of go for it and, it and it's worked at the right time. But a lot of the biggest names on the scene know when the right time is. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. can't just go in there at 10 o'clock at night. Same with DJs. When I've talked about this hundreds of times on the podcast. When DJs come in and they, they go to a bounce night and they start on the night at like 150, 155, like first oh, night. Oh, no, but it's just, it's the same mentality as the person who's an MCU. It is. Do you think, do you know what, like, another example of Sheena on a video the other day and I knew, I had like, I knew exactly what had happened. It was a guy who had been waiting for the go over mic for a while, doing like one of these little MC circles. Mm. And wait, they make me cringe my back out. Unless they're good, they make me cringe my back out these circles. Yeah. But this guy had been stood there for ages waiting for a go. And by the time he got past it, in his head, he's thinking, I'm going to have to give this back in like 30 seconds or something to the next man. So this breakdown comes on with a vocal, all through the fucking vocal, like that. And I'm like, just fucking take a breath, give it 30 seconds and wait for the drop it. You're going to do it. He thought, nah, fucking I'm going now. This is my chance. Right over the vocals. But everyone's sitting there like, oh, yeah, fucking shit, mate. And I'm like, Oh my god! <laughs> that is the worst. Yeah, it sounds like I'm shitting on MCs when when we talk about it, but I'm, no, I'm absolutely not. No, but it's, <laughs> I'm not though because I appreciate a good MC. Like, like no, yeah, there's some sick ones out there. I've, I've seen I've seen some studio CDs or I heard studio CDs. And it's like 
Fuck me, like that's talent right there. Obviously, I don't think it translates very well on to a nightclub. But, yeah. But there is. I've, I've seen like they're doing these fire in the boot style uh, recordings, aren't they? Mm. And you can see the talents there, man. But I, I just, I think it's been you know, trafficked into the wrong place. It, it, again, it's yeah. not against Dunk, I don't think. I think if you can write things that well and put it together and spit it in front of a camera, I'd be going to do something more commercial or maybe more, you know, universally loved. I'd be going into to rap or gram or whatever. Yeah. I mean, Dunk is such a small pond. It if is. If you've got that talent and you want to... It's, again, not an against you. If you want to restrict all that talent... To fucking off to some little club for eighty pounds a night where you're spending your money like the world. If you can write like that, your world is literally the oyster. Mm. If you've got a voice that can deliver what you write, fucking channel your energy into something that's gonna, you, you know, have a bit more prospect for you. Yeah, I just don't think that there's enough food for everyone to go around on that song scene. You you're going to that night because you've seen them like say Flip and Phil for instance. Yeah, if you see them, everyone a lot of people who know who they are like commercially as well yeah so if you see their name on a flight you might just go there regardless of who the branding is or regardless of who's running the night just cause flip and fill flip around yeah. Yeah. yeah and they're genuine ticket sellers but there's people within our scene who you see the name on a flight and you think i'm going because of them yeah. they've got like basically a little following and you, i think there's more than the balance scene that's that's bad for it as well like i know there's a few house names um maybe not so much on the bigger scale with like you see like big festivals and stuff but like club nights when you see the house stages on there a lot of them are just grateful to get on to line up alongside other yeah. bigger artists and it's like they're not getting paid properly or like well that's that's what i'm looking i'm looking at people now who have seen stuck in room twos for years and i know if they are getting paid they're getting paid buttons hmm. um and i'm just like it feels like I've been spoon-fed the same lineups on, on rotation mm. uh, for the last whatever. There's a guy, I think he's from Skem, Scott Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he works hard and he, he, mate, he, he's been in room two for years. He got a, a main, a main, it's not main stage, a main room slot at Sopranos in Manchester the other, the other week. Right. Yeah, and I was made up for him, man. Yeah, Scott Williams, he, he's fucking... He's got a lot of energy, you know, he has, videos he, He's just stuff. a dead nice lad as well, and he works hard. Yeah. The same we were talking before, ADF. Yeah. ADF, mate, I went I went to a college where Rob Kane changed to the year, just going to see him, and I was going to do the course of production. Hmm. He never ended up doing it. like it's nothing. Yeah. And he's learned it all himself, do you know what I mean? And I'm like, that. I, I look at people like him and I look at people like Michael Glover mm. who have went away and learned themselves how to produce. They might not be bringing out the best tunes, they're bringing out fucking good tunes. Yeah. But they've learned it themselves and I'm like, that's what people need to be like. They, they need to, to thrive, to want to be a success from what they've created rather than letting other people do it for them. Yeah. And a bit, again, not tapping anyone on the scene, but this ghost producing shit needs to stop. It needs right. to stop it. It does me fucking head in. There's two sides to the coin, though. I'm just going to be devil's advocate. Yeah, I'm um, There's a lot of people who's making a lot of money off it at the minute. Like, it like, pays well. Like, I can imagine, uh, yeah. I can, now, as the producer, I can understand. Like, I, I think it's sad where it's better off for the producer to make the tune and sell it to someone else that likes rather than make the tune and make loads of money off themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's shit that it's like that. Do you know what I mean? But... Again, I, I just, I don't think I can take credit for someone else's work and pretend it's, it, it's fucking madness. Like someone will, will actually make a full tune for someone and then someone will pay them £300 and 
And the person who's paid three hundred pounds will be on a poster in Manchester's letters next week because of this tune, fucking boss. Yeah. Do you know he's done a few text message. Um, people argue that you're right. People argue that the other end's right. Uh, and I think that what's happened is, um, this is just somebody like working, looking from an industry point of view. They've seen that the big, the bigger artists out there do it, and they've yeah. went, "Well, if they can do it, I can do it." But they don't realise that the artists have got contracts and that that say, "Listen, this producer's going to get X amount." Yeah, off royalties. So everyone's being looked after and stuff like that. Whereas here, it's like I'll produce your donk track. There you go, hundred fifty quid, two hundred quid. That's it. That's yours. Cut ties. Like it's just one of them things where it's like in the more commercial scene, there's they've got producers for them and everything's written to a contract. Everyone's getting looked after. Every everyone's getting credited for it as well because it's one of them where if you go and look, for instance, at um, I don't know, fucking. David get a track right. If you go, you could, it's easy to go and find out who was involved in that track. You can just go, go and Google credits, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. credits and stuff. Like people are credited for it. It's not, it's not pu- like publicized saying, "Oh, this this guy's produced it." But if you look, it's there. Yeah. Whereas if some like Chris within, Lake and Fisher. Yeah, yeah, you can exactly. Find the info, yeah. yeah, yeah, you can find the info if you want to. But then if you you can credit the right people in your head, like you're like, "Oh, well, that's a Chris Lake tune." No, there you yeah. go. That's, that's who's done that. Whereas in this scene, it's like. I've seen. I have. I have seen people within. I can. I can think of a couple in the hardcore scene, and I can think of one or two in the bounce scene who've had music produced and they've tried to blag and say, "I made it." And it's like any producer can recognize certain people's sounds and stuff. You they know work, for a fact. Yeah. You know for a fact that they never done it. Um, I don't. I don't know how you'd have it. Like, let's say you did get a, a track ghost produced and it went quite big, right? And you go to a, a gig, mm. someone comes up and goes, oh, mate, I'm a young producer, I really love your new tune, this part of the breakdown, can you explain how you've done this? And you go, no. I've also <laughs> seen that as well. Uh, about just before lockdown, uh, I was having a, having a crap at a guy uh, in, in a club. Uh, I'm not going to name drop, it's not my, my place to do it. But the, <coughs> the one person in particular um, did actually own up to and say listen I don't produce my own tunes whatever but somebody's came up and said oh loving the tunes how do you do this and he's tried to explain to them how it's done he has no clue whatsoever but like can we say it it? no absolute like like fair enough maybe he's trying his hardest to explain but you're not you're asking the wrong person you should have just said oh like it is public knowledge that so and so produces my tracks yeah Uh, maybe ask them Maybe give them a message. I'll, I'll put you onto them. Yeah. We don't try and blag someone out because they could go home thinking that it's the right way to do it, and then that's the that's their tune fucked. <laughs> like you not, know, not I mean? even that, man. If you try to explain so that, like, I, there's people on that scene that the same things I hear in them sacks, and I know they haven't been able to do that themselves. And yeah. like, if someone come and ask them, like, how did you do that certain part? I'd I'd, I'd love to be there to watch the car left. <laughs> that's about to happen. Yeah. As I say, this is this is. I know people with the ghost producing side of it, you just need to credit the right people and you need to do it in the right way. Um, There's people who get quite successful off tracks and it's like the producer gets forgot about. Like, like for instance, like, yeah. So it's like, um, there's one case in particular that I know of within, um, hardcore or I don't know what it is. It's like a subgenre of hardcore. It's like, 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 it's in like dubcore or, or whatever it is. It's like yeah. really mad shit. It's big in America. It's like trap music and whatnot. And there was um, a guy who's been producing music for an artist 
and they've had like a bit, a bit, bit of a deal going for a few years, and then this guy sort of moves on now and left that like got a new producer, and it's like left him with nothing. Yeah, because he's yeah. got no credits to the track. Like, nah, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not left him with nothing, but it's left him with no reputation. Yeah, it's yeah, it's hollow work, isn't it? Like, once that money's spent from the what he's had from that, it, it doesn't exist anymore. That track's gone. Yeah, and he's got no rights to any of the tracks. He's got. He's got nothing. He could tell people, oh, I did this or whatever, but what, what's that? Do you know what I mean? What, what, See, I, I wouldn't mind, right, if people were, were were getting people in, you know, to consult and stuff and help them along and shape it with them doing it. Like, or even if they were doing it the way they are, getting a ghost produced, but get themselves there. Yeah. It's, it's when I see people buying tune after tune after tune, getting it produced... But they're making absolutely zero progress and actually learn themselves. I'm like, they don't want it, they just want to do it the lazy way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, if they were saying, all right, I'm going to pay this and keep stay relevant by getting tunes brought out, but I'm going to learn how to make these myself, I'll go fair enough. Yeah. Maybe fair enough, but not even fully fair enough, just a bit. All right, it's better than just paying, but most of them are just fucking paying now and just leaving it at that. And it's them not having that desire to better themselves in the industry in order to, to deserve what they're getting. That's what pisses me off, wanting to take the shortcuts. Yeah. It, it does make sense, I suppose. Um, so we'll sort of move on from that. Uh, we've got sort of stuck in a with, with that again. But as I say, that's what it's about. It's just about having a conversation. I know that it's loosely based on, on you, like getting to know you as, a, as an artist, but once you, once you get out there and you're having a crack, you just sort of get lost in it, don't you? <laughs> um, so you you were talking about um, working with Flip and Phil and then you started getting into the sort of promotion side of things. Yeah. So what was the first one that made, like, because this is a question, I think a lot of people would like to know who's maybe in a similar situation. What was the, first, the event where you thought, I think this is good enough to sort of finish my nine to five? Like Events like that, at the time, I wouldn't have made the decision to go full-time just on the events. Yeah. It was the work I was getting from consulting and sending DJs, telling people, I think you should do this, this, this. Um, and I think this is a night of work. People would be paying me a fee to, to hand-pick a line up for them to deal with the agents, the contacts. Like, I'd say in one place, yeah, we'll have Fats and Smalls there. Uh, we'll have Ultra Beat up in Scotland, whatever. Mm. I've got these gigs to pass out. And I, I'd throw my own little bit on top of each one. Mm. So, I, but I was making enough to, to live all right on. We shaved up. I was seriously depressed working in there. Um, I was working three shifts since I was 21. Aries, days, nights. Don't get me wrong, the money was good in the end. It wasn't for the first few years. But I thought it's just like, people were like, who were new with dying young. Mm. Like, either dying naturally or something nasty was happening to them. And I thought I had literally been dead next week. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Every day I'm walking into this workplace and it's depressing the fucking life out of me. The lighting in there was yellow, dead, dark, dingy. You know, a lot of people didn't see each other nice in there, which a lot of, there's a lot of good lads in there, but it was like a jail mentality in Jag. And uh, I just fucking remember saying, I think I can't remember someone's dad, young, I don't even think I was close to them. But I never think that could be me next week, and I, I just can't be. Out. If I have to stay in this factory until I'm sixty-five, what's the the time and age? Six sixty-five, but um, like younger people, sixty-seven, isn't it now? Well, at, that, at this time now, right? If I had to stay until sixty-five, and yeah, and people like I, I've got mates who there now, and they're still gonna consider themselves lucky if they get to keep that job till sixty-seven. Mm-hmm. I'm like fuck that, mate. I I, I couldn't do it. Um, I needed to change it, I needed to fast. 
I, I had money there to start playing now. I had the connections. Yeah. I had a lot of friends in the industry. Uh, and I, a lot of them said, well, we're not going to stop using you for stuff. We'll keep giving you work and stuff. And they followed through with it. I, I, I left work three days later. I got offered a job uh, in a stage manager's role, picking a line up and all that, booking manager, uh, mm. sorry, booking agent for Loose Fest. Right. Up in Newcastle. Um, What's that once a year, is it? No. Once a year, mate. Yeah. Like, their company, Loose Stage, it is, uh, honest to God, the setup is unbelievable. 15 events a week across so many venues. Yeah. Uh, they're just the kings of Newcastle, mate, you know what I mean? Yeah. They absolutely run the place, so it was really good to get in with them. That, like, that opens a lot of opportunities as well. Uh, that didn't only open opportunities for me, but like as a booking agent, I started having money to play with then, where like I'm talking yeah, yeah, money, good money. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Not like what you'd be, uh, a couple of grand or whatever, I'm talking thousands that I was being trusted with uh, yeah. and to spend in the right way for them. And it was a challenge, but it was good, you know, I enjoyed it. And I don't know if you've seen any of the footage, what we did. Yeah, it looked decent, yeah. Uh, well, it weren't meant to be on that stage. My, my one was like a little bit of a style, so we'll just give you a thousand capacity arena, and show you do. Yeah. Uh, and the feedback from it, that stage needs to be bigger, it needs to be bigger. You couldn't get in all day. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to reveal what we've got planned for next year, man, but it's going to be big. Yeah, it's gonna be huge. I can't wait for. Is it a step up from this year's as well? Like, have you gone that extra? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, a bit more than a step up. Uh, <laughs> it's right. more than a step up. Yeah. No worries, no worries. There's a lot of people you see sort of out and about doing these festivals and that. Now a lot of them do really well, a lot of them flop, but the ones that are starting to become a yearly part of a of a raver's calendar. Yeah, it's 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 quite good to look at. You see, you see a lot of these like because there's like a lot of nostalgic festivals where you see classic acts. A lot of club landy style festivals and they seem to do really well around the UK. Do you know what I mean? Well, well <laughs> you, you're saying them like nostalgia type events, you've got like them and this, you know, you, you've got mm. Terry's got flashback. Um, yeah. Loose Fest is it, it, it's a different animal, it's it's not like based around classics or whatever, it's got something for everyone. It's got yeah. a very commercial main stage, you got the likes of the Black RPs on, Cigar, and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, and then they had a drum and bass arena, worried about Henley, they had a uh, repopulate Mars on Glitterbox. Mm. Uh, and it ranges from tech to drum and bass, Patrick Toppin. So there's something for everyone during this festival. Uh, and it was my first experience working somewhere like that, rather than it just be classic based. Yeah. So that that gave me an opportunity to start reaching out to artists that weren't involved in the music we listen to. Yeah. I'll be Tinchy Starter. The one he had nothing to do with what we done, and mate, he was unbelievable. You know, it was <laughs> so good, such a good moment that when he came on. That's uh, yeah. As I say, like it, it's good, and it's good that you're meeting these people, and it sort of like puts you in a good position. Not not selfishly, that sounds bad, but like um, it puts you in a good position. You you networking with these people if you were ever to try and do something somewhere else or like you, oh, you've, yeah, got, you've got yeah, the people, connection. People yeah. who are met from Loose Fest, I've already like other people who will come to me and say, "Have you got it in here?" Like, the, the, I'm, I'm a cheeky company, like, when, when I meet people at these festivals, my network and isn't, all right, I'll be on to your agents, I, I'm best mates with them in two minutes, and I've got <laughs> their mobile number in five minutes, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, I had Thingy on the other month, don't, they on Blue, uh, Simon Webb. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. that's Simon Webb from Blue, about to do a world tour or whatever, that's the fucking, ma do, do a massive year, he's going to be back. Yeah. Like, I still text him on WhatsApp, now I booked him once, and we still <laughs> speak on WhatsApp, do you know what I mean? And, like, that resulted... 
don't know, can I say this? I probably can, yeah. <laughs> that resulted, I won't say how much, in when I booked it, I got, I got off at a price. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I know. Like, agents fees and that are an absolute rip-off. People, <laughs> when you've got a fire to do something, like, when I get, in, when I'm producing, I'm, and I've got that proper, like, do you know when you're like, oh, I'm going to get the urge on to do this, and I've got this idea, and I'm going to get this down. Yeah. I think once that fight is sort of burnt out, it's like, it's hard to get it going again. Mate, my, man, as I say, just before I, I start to flip and fill stuff, man was just about to go out any any fire he had for this game. Like, I, that possibly would have been my last gig before I met him. I was just that ready to fuck it off. Like, I absolutely hate Everton. But mainly, mainly because uh, I weren't getting the bookings I wanted because the scene developed in a way where it was based more about who could spit these fucking mad lyrics at 200 miles an hour and I couldn't yep. keep up with it. So I sort of got forgot about a bit. <laughs> no, I know, I know yeah. where you've been coming from. Things change and styles change and like people have said on this before, it's like there'll be times where they're they're sort of top of the bill on the on the on on the flyers because their sound is the in sound at the minute or their their style is the in style at the minute and then a couple of years go by and then people want music that's maybe harder or more vocally yeah. and it's like they're not getting booked as regular anymore because they're not yeah. they're not what's needed. So it do, it does it, it, I was just dead lucky man fucking <laughs> What has happened, like that flip and fill stuff, this is all thanks to MCB this, like, yeah. we were doing some place over the water called fucking Red Butter or something, and I got a text message from MCB, he's stuck in traffic, any chance you can do my chef for me, went, fucking hell, it went, yeah, explain to Mark from flip and fill, I'm going to be on with you now, hosting you, yeah, no problem, Yeah. I made the chef fucking went off. Would you call that, would you say that was like a trial for you, like... Because if he didn't like his set, he wouldn't have had your back, sort of thing. Oh, no, yeah. that was just pure by by chance. The trial was the next thing. Like, he, oh, he, so you actually the he did put you on a trial for like one gig or something. Or? <laughs> well, what has happened? I it's on that gig, and he said, "Mate, and this has happened at a million gigs." This when someone's had a bevy, hmm. mate, I'm gonna book you for every set I do. Fucking John, people, a couple of bevy. Yeah, I gives you number. I went. I'm gonna start bringing you to do flip and fill sets and stuff, yeah. right? And I'm like, nah, fucking give me number. Never heard not for about four months. Just let it go over your head to where you do. And then he phoned me and said, I've got this gig in Blackpool. It's it's from one of my old bands. He used to be in a band, fucking, I, I can't remember. There's a song called Hardcore Upload. Years yeah. ago, I don't know what they were called. And he said, do you want to come and be the host for this in Blackpool? And I went, yeah. Now, being a man before this, I, I'd, I'd done clubs to about... 200 people or something right and uh, so i went on this club in, in blackpool with him hosting a house gig didn't really enjoy it because you know it's housing there it felt awkward uh, we had that singer with us you know francesca yeah, yeah, yeah she she was the vocalist in the band so we went and done a couple of like a gigs doing that didn't really enjoy it and then the very next gig he said oh yeah we're going to do such and such in this area the uh, two thousand people right what the fuck? And then I've went and made the, the line was Jessica, Mark, yeah. and it was like 2,000 people. It was good. That was the first time I thought I enjoyed this. Uh, but he was only using me for house stuff a bit, and I weren't enjoying it. And it, something came up, a club land gig, and he said, yeah, I need you to come here with me last minute. And then went and done that, smashed the arse off it. And then I've done every gig with him since then. It's for about six, seven years, yeah. Loved it. It's not bad, is he? Yeah, it was good, man. So I just want to ask you before we go on to the questions, what what sort of stuff have you got coming up now? Like what have you got planned? Obviously you were saying you couldn't talk about one or two things. Um, 
Do you know what? I can give a few things a, a, a little plug, right? Uh, I've got a comedy club launching on the 10th of December. It's called The Laugh Gaff. Uh, it was called The Laughing Lounge, right? We got all the logos and that done. And then we released it a couple of weeks ago. And I, I got fucking woke up to all these messages. Can you get in touch? Can you get in touch? As well, just he's mate listener. I'm just opening a comedy club called The Laughing Lounge, right? The same as me. Mm. And I went... Like, you could just be saying this, John, you know what I mean? Like, to me, anyone. And he went, no, yeah, and he sent me, like, the neon signs and the dates he had ordered them and all that, and he had mm. ordered them, like, back at the start of September. So I said, fair enough, I had to change the name quick, man. We changed it to the Laugh Gaff, which isn't too I think bad. It's got a bit, I think it's got a better name, to it be honest. It sounds all right, yeah. It was like, like, I hope this goes all right. If you am buying into comedy and stuff like that, like, I'll so... I'll come to hand as you want, it'll be mm. good. But, uh, yeah, it's just a new thing. It's not, like, a big earner for me or not, um... You've got a decent lineup on it as well. I've seen that. Is it like Tom Keegan's on? Podcast, uh, uh, no, I haven't seen his, his podcast. I've seen that. Uh, you know, get on his podcast, man. Yeah. There's some funny kids, them, you know, 100%. Uh, but uh, I've got a few people. Jimmy Shirley on it as well. Yeah. Uh, Jack Murray. I've got a few people on it, man. It'll yeah. be a good night. And it's only a tenner as well. It's not bad, is it? And the bad. venue's really good for it, yeah. Comedy's massive in Liverpool as well. So, it is. Um, well, that, I thought there's another space for it there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And what it was. How'd that come about? I was trying to boot because I, I do little variety shows as well now when I get in places where we'll use a comedian as long as well as you know, some musicians. Yeah. And I realised when reaching out to comedians, I realised just how many of these want a stage to be able to do stuff perform yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and get, get their set out to people. And I'm sitting there and I've asked two two comedians at this point. And then me and Mox just going boom, 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 but all comedians, like good calib- calibre comedians saying, I'll come and do a set there for nothing for you to come and launch this because they just want another platform so where they can all come. Get a reaction, can, yeah, and try stuff, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's sad in a way, like, but, uh, it, you know, the same as any MC and all that, uh, like, you work for nothing for a while, do you know what yeah. I mean? The amount of times that I drove to places and it's been like, um, you, you drive, like, say an hour two hours and you'd like up like i was i've put in a lot of 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 money which i don't think you'll ever recuperate or unless you make it sort of big do you know yeah. what i mean like like i'd drive drive to a gig that cost you what like 30 40 quid in fuel at minimum well for me it is anyways and then like i've done that for a for a couple of years and it's just it that in a couple of years i don't i don't know how many bookings i had but at one point i was doing sort of trying to get booked every weekend at, yeah. at one point. So look at how, how much that adds up, do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Um, and as I say, it takes, takes time to recuperate that. Um, so there is lads out there now who's trying to break into the sort of comedy scene um, or, or MCs, DJs, and they're willing to work for nothing. Like, yeah. It's just it's the way in the world, isn't it? Like, yeah. I, I, I don't know what I spent over the, like me trying to be an MC host whatever like over the first few years mm. you know just you've got to stay involved in that circle of people uh, and it costs money it you don't think you're spending money on them to be an MC or whatever but you're you, you're going to these clubs every weekend you're, you're paying your taxis you're, yeah. you're buying your ale you're watching what the MCs are doing it costs money to start out absolutely yeah, absolutely um, so what else have you com- coming up you've got the, the laugh gaff uh, the laugh gaff we've got uh, John, John me Chris we've got a brand that we're going to be launching soon it's just house but we were looking on doing it at the start of the Andy's set, Joe, when the sun's a bit better. Mm. We wanted to bring like a, a smaller, 
L roll type vibe, Jones yeah. house and tech, little outdoor on, on like production, the same style as L roll, a lot of confetti shit flying around and stuff, but on a much smaller level, do you know yeah. what I mean? It that's gonna be called Usu. It's a we haven't got the logo on that out there. We've had it made and all that, and it looks really good. I can't wait to get it out. But we're looking forward to that. Um, as for the team of next year, I've got... I don't think... After Christmas is done, as a promoter, I avoid January. Yeah. Uh, fa- first one we've got back, a young guy, man. I met this guy in, in an Irish bar in Liverpool... I'd say about six, seven months ago, stayed in touch with him a bit. Mm. His fucking mate just blew up out of nowhere. Who's Young this? Irish DJ. Um, he's, his name's Tom Mund- Tom Muldoon, but uh, he goes under the name Muldoons. Right. Right. Um, he's just fucking blew up out of nowhere. His song is Worldwide. I think it's number two on SoundCloud, Worldwide now. Right. I, th- I think it's called Witch or something. I have to check it out. I can't. Which, which, oh, I'm sorry, Tom, I forgot the, the track ID. But check him out anyway. Mm. But he, he's, he started a brand called Stack City Days, which is doing really well. So mm. the brand that is up in Newcastle, what we do with Bamley and that, uh, yeah. Utopia, which does really well with the young kids. Right. Say kids, fucking 21 year olds. So with noticing his little blow up and what he's doing, he, he's also just sold out the the Wales Centre in Newcastle. I think that's next week. It is. It's only three four hundred tickets. Right. But I've recognised Dan thoughts. I think he could be on a bigger stage. Yeah, I think there's you know some money to be made. There's a brand that's growing at the minute. Yeah. We've got an established brand here. Um, and I think part of my job is I can notice things that can be put together to make money so yeah. what we are going to be released obviously by the time this will be out the tickets will be on sale I think they'll only be on sale for an hour to be honest with these uh, it's going to be Stack City times Utopia at the Riverside on the 28th of February we're booked in for but like I, I absolutely guarantee there won't, won't be a ticket left for that after a few days Yeah, unbelievable I can't wait for it class mate class uh, anything else you've got coming up sort of thing it's um, me comedies monthly yeah uh, I've got a fuck the Tories event as well. Oh, sorry, that's it. I've got that on New Year's this year. New Year's right. coming up. Forgot about that. I've uh, got a fuck the Tories event up. Uh, basically, we book a lot of um, John local acts that are quite popular. And it's not a big money maker, but what we do with this, what we make, we, we pay our artists and then we take obviously a small wage and then a certain amount will go to you know, the local food banks. Yeah, yeah, that's it, good. It might not be a lot. It can be 60, 70 quid at times. So it depends how, how the event does. It's on a big event. Yeah. But it's something that generates a bit of money, you know, towards... Like, there shouldn't be. Yeah, so... No, they shouldn't exist. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But... It's one of them. Like I don't know if you felt it, now, do you, mate? But this this place hates the Tories, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I absolutely hates it. It's yeah, strong over here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> my uh, my local constituency is Tory, and is it? I un- honestly don't understand how because you talk to people, and it's like it must just because there's a lot of an older generation who who like looking after their own money and don't want to part yeah. with shit. I don't know what the, the, the politics is behind it, but... Well, the, the only place that voted Conservative last time, uh, as far as I know, is Southport, just Southport, fucking down yeah, where, yeah, right? Yeah. And That's full of oldies as well, isn't it? Full of oldies yeah. with money, man. Do you know what I mean? They're going to be dead in 15, 10 years or something. <laughs> yeah. Selfish bastards. Right, we'll sort of move on to the questions now. Yeah, no worries. Right, yeah. 
Um, so first question is, I, I, uh, how, how, how do you promote yourself without coming across as a, sp a spammer? And that's from anonymous. So how, how do you, how would you, do you promote yourself? Without I, I don't promote myself. I operate yeah. very covertly. I think. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people know what I'm up to or what I'm doing. Mm. Um, a lot of things are done by emails and phone calls. And as I say, we. Like, the reach of me putting people in place over the UK, I haven't got any local presence in somewhere like Scotland or yeah, yeah, yeah. or Wales. Right? I, I leave the promoting up to them. I, I just make things happen for them. <laughs> make the artist happen, tell them how I think that the artwork should be, is the style you should go with, yeah. uh, deal with the agents and all that. I, obviously, anything local, I promote myself. I, uh, I do not tag people who are not involved in me night. That is, it pisses me off. I man. don't do it ever. Uh, someone's tagged me a few times this week, and I don't know if anyone's ever seen me do it. I write underneath it, please stop tagging me and stuff that I've got nothing to do. And I've been called a prick a couple of times. Yeah. But the thing is, as a promoter myself, I want my wall to be about what my business, what I'm doing. Yeah. And every time someone tags me and pushes their shit onto my wall, fucking super fucking turbo donk sessions in fucking Bethlehem or whatever. <laughs> and then it pushes my shit down my wall. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I, I don't know exactly what you mean, mate. I get to, to think. That's uh, apart from that. Um, Cheapens your brand, I think, as well. <laughs> it looks like... You see a promoter and it's like... you it tag me. Yeah, 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 it does. It does. Tagging a load of people, that. You know, if anything, that's going to alienate me towards you and your brand. Mm -hmm. If you constantly tag me and shit, that's got nothing to do with me in the end. I'll just unfollow you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I used to be bad for it when I was younger. I used to, not tag, I wasn't a tagger, like, but um, I used to always be, like, put, posting in groups and stuff like that. And that's you soon all right. Learn, that's all right. I know, but it's doing it so so much and it, it becomes annoying. You just become one of them people. That's just yeah, no, see, I don't do that either, but I, I, I understand why people do that. I think... People can go and spam a group. People are there yeah. to have information shoved in their face in a group. Yeah. It's when you're pushing onto my personal world, you know what I mean? Uh, that, exactly. That's fucking different. <laughs> yeah. I was bad for it, but now I just think the best way you can promote yourself is just um, open and honest. I think that's, that's, that's one of my things. Like, introduce yourself to people. Don't just fire them a, a SoundCloud link over saying, this is my mix. Yeah. Me or whatever sometimes it's just the, the link itself introduce yourself don't fucking give them a life story because they don't want to know your life story but just give them a couple of sentences saying who you are and what you're about would they ask how, how, how I promote the events or promote myself how would you promote artist? yourself without coming across as a spammer so promote oh fucking no but like you were writing what you were saying though there is people out there promoting themselves wrongly by, yeah. by doing that um, promote I was talking to you off the thing as well the best way for promotion for reach for me I've found is sponsored ads. Get yeah. somebody to who knows what they're doing to um, to figure it out. Figure out a system in which it reaches the audience that you want. Yeah. So if it's targeted towns, um, subjects, etc., then go for it. But yeah, that's the way I found it works. I gets engagement and it gets people talking about it as well. So that's just my position. Yeah, yeah. man. No, yeah. Um, next question is: Hey, up, Brad. What's been your biggest failure in an what would why good podcast lad makes my tuesday and that's from jay i have no I'm, idea i'm a little bit as jay what he just said um <laughs> i just copy and paste these mate so um <laughs> need to start fixing what's been your biggest failure in music what would why <laughs>
and when they before and I've had tunes that have just been low quality but that was early on and I think that put a, that held me back a little bit later on do you know what I mean yeah. when people because people automatically think oh he puts out a shit tune or whatever and years later I'm putting stuff out and then them same people still won't listen to what I put out because they listened to me some, something I did 10 years ago do you know what I mean yeah. they won't acknowledge it um, what about you? For me, the, the one that stands out in my head, it was at the very start of my career, like, so I can let it go. Uh, I'll, I'll mention the brands, but no. In fact, I won't mention the brand. I sort of went and done a recording at an event for them, and they were planning on selling these CD packs. They still did. But one, like, I think one of the MCs got off so much air than he should have, so I had to cover his thing. Yeah. Now, at this point, my voice weren't developed to anywhere near what it should have been to be live in a club Yeah. at this point, but he had to do an extra two hours eh, on top of what I was doing, man. And the, I knew myself, I was sloppy, I were projecting my voice properly, <coughs> it sounded lazy. And when the CDs came out, man, they were fucking awful. Uh, like, still on, are they still available online now? Probably, yeah. Right. Yeah, I'll tell you after. No worries. <laughs> I'll, I'll check them out and see what they're like. Yeah, the fact that I know Right, that's good then. Uh, what would you say that was being... Did that, did that put you in a bad light or...? No, no one said anything to me. No, really? no one said... This is me being my own worst critic. Uh, and in fact, I, I still got booked after it by the police, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but no, it's horrendous, the CD. It was horrendous. I'm going to go look for this now. I'll, yeah, <laughs> put it on the way home. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and sort of tie it up today, I was one last question I asked all my guests. Uh, you're about to get the electric chair because you've been a proper bad knobhead. Um, <laughs> what, what's your last meal? You can have start me in and dessert. <sighs> Fucking hell. Are you a foodie, like? No. Foodie? no. I've got the palate of a six-year-old. <laughs> Fucking smileys and chicken, and chicken and chips, drumsticks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's me all day. Fucking, what was it, Thursday night? Me, um, she'd, she'd been saying to me, she says, oh, we'll just have a picky tea tonight. I just want yeah, to the ones then. And she was like, you, don't know, you didn't know what a picky tea is. Just all I, different I, I, well, I'd call it a fucking, I call it a council tea. Do you know what I mean? Like it is. Yeah, like, no, picky and council are different. Nah, man, it's not. What? It is pickies, <laughs> picky. Like you could have a fucking that island over there could have all Marks and Spencer's plates and shit on it. They're yeah. picky bits. Like that's not a council tea. Yeah. Like or you could have. Smiley, Smiley faces, turkey dinosaurs. That's a council tea. But not, I love council teas, you yeah, know what I mean? I do. I Absolutely. do, by far. I do. But you've got Finchie, man. Fuck, I, I always give him shit over this. Finchie goes, he fucking flies to wherever. I like, pays all sorts to go to these restaurants and then pays fucking 800 quid for these meals and they come under the size of a pog. Have you seen them? <laughs> I have a little bit of a fine dining. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, does yeah, all yeah. that. And he's like, oh, yeah, you can taste the undertones of fucking cedar wood. Like, Fuck off, man. Go to fucking Burger King, spend eight quid, and I'm laughing. <laughs> I am sad. Right. I'm definitely not a foodie, no. No. Fat, but not a foodie. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, no. Council, so, so a council tip for me is what you say, like the, your fucking smiley faces, turkey dinosaurs, and beans, right? But, like, picky tea, what was it she got? She got fucking, uh, she got. Like cheese, uh, cheese balls, uh, chicken gorgons, fucking all, all this. Gorgon? Yeah. Gorgon? Gorgon, <laughs> Fucking, hey, hey, mate. Language, buddy. <laughs> um, um, what else was it? Uh, fuck, I can't remember now. Oh, she got these fucking like spring rolls and shit like that. Like just, it was literally a picky tea with some sauces and that. And I thought it was all right, but... As I say, I'm more of a fucking big meal type person, mate. Do you like know what, what I mean? What would you, what would you, what would you pick on your last one? 
my last grand. Uh, oh, mate, right, I'm going to fucking talk about this right now. We went to um, Big Bowl in town last night. Have you been there? I, no, the noodle. Yeah. Every time I've tried to go, it's chocker. Yeah, fucking class, mate. I'm not Is joking. It? Yeah, yeah, I've been sold. Um, honestly, class. Like, uh, if I'd have that meal I had last night. It was class. It was chicken peking sauce. Peking? Uh, yeah. Oh, peking sauce. Um, fried rice. Got a mixed starter. And then we went across the road. There's like this this spot now. It's like a, a market food hall. Bit oh, I was going to tell you to go there. It's thingy... Not St. John's, do you see food markers or something? So I don't know what it is, yeah. We're just it's only on signs. Uh, we were we, we in with Ed the other week, we got plum fried chicken, it was amazing. Um, and I got fucking tiramisu and that, so I was proper well fed last night. Was you? Uh, yeah, it was class. Uh, so the, yeah, that was my, like, if I had my last meal right now, that's what I'd have. I th- am I in jail? Am I in jail like, about to die, yeah? Yeah, so and they've said, I well, just eat, can like, I? No, well, just, let's just say the fucking coppers went I'll go out and I'll pick get up get anything yeah, you want yeah yeah yeah, yeah. last one man I probably have to go with a Chinese you know like, Chinese what are you getting oh, if the batters salt and pepper ribs I, I hate it when Just Eat doesn't tell you if ribs are battered or not yeah, yeah, and they come yeah. on battered I am fucking go heavy on this oh, would you ask me I'm yeah fucking worry, starving uh, salt and pepper stew mate we got them off the market stores yesterday as well the nice aren't fucking they fucking decent yeah yeah um, I'm gonna go with some vermicelli, some crispy beef, chili crispy beef, and soup and crackers, and I'm done. Seaweed, I need seaweed. Ah, class, mate. That's and I'm class. done. That is class. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit peckish now, like. Yeah, class, mate. I just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast as well. You're it's very been welcome. A, it's been a, other than the technical issues, it's been a class episode, mate. It has just been funny. Um, so, um, where can people find you if they want to find any of your music? Or this, this scene? <laughs> <laughs> no, but on uh, Luke Crellen one on Insta. Yeah. Uh, and obviously Luke Crellen on Facebook. Give me a shout if you need anything or any advice on shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, nice one for having me on. No worries, mate. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, then please share it with your mates. Uh, because, as I say, it helps massively um, reach new ears all the time. Um, growing more and more each week. And it's only thanks to... Um, people who are actually enjoying the podcast and I can see on the analytics that it's it's getting thrown into WhatsApp groups um, and I can see the spikes where people's watching and it's it really helps that, that you, people are talking about it. Do you know what I mean? So nice one for watching and I'll see you again next week.